It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the Hashtag Show with Mike Guido. And it is so good to have you here on the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com, Facebook Live, Twitter, Periscope, Spotify. We are everywhere. You're in the right place. Number to call, 631-676-2968. That is 631-676-2968. Call us up. Join the conversation. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. Good to have you in here on a Monday. How was your weekend? Solid. Solid? Solid. Same here. Same Solid, here. yeah. Oh, a nice little weekend. WrestleMania, of course, was last night. Had a nice time watching Man, WrestleMania last night. Who gives a crap about I wrestling? I do. I do. I'll, I'll, I'll be nice to wrestling fans for a second. I'll be nice to, I'll be nice to wrestling fans for a second. It is entertaining if you understand what it is. If you understand that everything is scripted and it isn't a real sport and you still enjoy it, I have respect I'll, for you. I'll say this. If though. you try to pass it off as a sport, I'm sorry, it you're you're just I'll say you're this. off base. The story told on the WWE championship match last night was phenomenal. It was magnificent. Okay. They tell Look, fine. That was phenomenal. But that's the thing, is as long as you understand what it is. Then that's okay. Don't that? try to pass it off as a sporting I event hope. because it's not. Because it, it is it is absolutely not. I had fun. I'm I'm glad. Look, look, you. I'm glad that you had fun. And I, I'm I hope people do have fun, but they have to understand I don't want to hear just like, oh, it's a sport. It, no, it's not. It is not a sport. It is it is purely acting and entertainment. Um all right. Plenty to cover today. Uh, this is a jam-packed show because I have a lot of stuff that I wanted to touch on that I haven't been able to uh, over the past couple of days. Um, the Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy feud, that's going to come up at the top of hour number two. I'm really excited to get into that because this article that was published by by, uh, by Bleacher Report kind of validates a lot of what I've been claiming about Aaron Rodgers for a while. And and, and, and I, I don't know, I'm just, I, I'm going to... Get into that in uh, uh, in about an hour. Um, the national championship game, Texas Tech and Virginia. I guarantee you that there were not many people in the country that had that national championship game. Uh, so we're going to touch on that very late, uh, a little bit later in the show. There's one story that came out last week that's been touched on a lot by a lot of different sports people that I just I can't I can't buy it. You know, it's just one of those stories that just came out of nowhere, and I just really can't buy into it. That's coming up a little bit later, about quarter to about quarter to noon, if you're on the East Coast. Um, but I want to start with this. God, this is just so ridiculous. This is just so ridiculous. You know, I I spend a lot of time on this show bashing athletes that just act like babies. I spend a lot of time on this show bashing athletes that do not act like professional athletes. Even though that's kind of a subjective term now because what is it that professional athletes act like now? But let's talk about this in retrospect, okay? So Antonio Brown 
commented on a post on Twitter that claimed Juju Smith-Schuster as the MVP of the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2018. So here was the play. It was by, it was a picture, and I'm sure that it's a graphic made by somebody. Maybe it was a graphic made by the team, but it was a, a random fan. It was a Twitter account called Steelers Steve. It was a fan page. It was a, it's, it's, it's one of those guys, right? Antonio Brown finds that post. This is, this is not a verified account, right? Antonio Brown comes out and quotes the tweet and says, Emotion. Boy fumbled the whole postseason in the biggest game of the year. Everyone went blind to busy, uh, uh, blind too busy making guys famous. Not enough reality these days. By the way, check the list. And I will say this: Juju Smith-Schuster did reply to it, um, and he did say, "All I ever did was show that man love and respect for the movement I got to the league." Uh, he's referring to Antonio Brown. I was genuinely happy for him, too, when he got traded to Oakland with a big contract, and now he's taking shots at me on social media with a question mark. So See, he says he was happy, and yet he posted up. He was happy for him, yet he posted a picture. Again, I'm not I'm not defending full. I mean, I, I think they're both in the wrong, but I do think Oh, Juju I disagree de- I th- I 100%. Think Ju- but Juju kind of deserves a little bit of the blame here because, A, he fell for the trap. Why? And, B, he fell for the trap, and, B... Don't, don't, A, you say you were happy, but you posted a picture on Twitter of you scoring a touchdown against the Raiders after the trade. Okay. I'm just, I'm just saying. All right, look, I'll, I'll admit this, okay? It, was the post by Juju Smith-Schuster a little bit petty in that respect? Yeah. Uh, sure, I'll say that. But at the very same time, ever since then, the situation's been shut down. Oh, sure. That Antonio Brown trade happened a month ago, at least. Now this random fan page, and this is this is my problem with Antonio Brown. This is my problem with athletes like this. This is the reason why I can't get behind athletes like Antonio Brown, athletes like Aaron Rodgers, athletes like Le'Veon Bell, athletes like, and, and to be honest with you, even in this respect, athletes like Big Ben Roethlisberger, right? Once this dysfunction happens... Once all of this drama gets uh, gets surrounded, right, it's very difficult to have success. And I think it's funny when people say, oh, but now that Antonio Brown gets traded to Oakland, oh, he's going to have brand new success. He's going to be a totally different guy, right? Him and Derek Carr are going to get along great. Look, history always tells you the future. It always does. Look at what happened in Pittsburgh. Do you think, honestly, that Big Ben and Antonio Brown always hated each other? No. Big Ben and Antonio Brown were best friends at one point. You even saw it. Making fun of each other when they were eating turkey legs on Thanksgiving. I mean... Big Ben and Antonio Brown used to get along great, and that's why it worked. Then something happened, whether it was Big Ben uh, holding himself to a higher standard than basically everybody else, putting himself on a pedestal along with the organization, uh, and it pissed everybody off, or 
It was a separation by most of the players and the coaching staff, including Antonio Brown. Something went wrong in Pittsburgh. I wasn't there. Evan wasn't there. None of us were there. We can't for sure say what happened. But all of this stuff gives us a pretty damn good idea. Look, Antonio Brown goes into Oakland, and the thing that we see now is as soon as he gets traded, right, we see him at Derek Carr's front doorstep, right? They're hugging it out. They're shaking hands. They're they're laughing. They're joking around with each other. Yeah, that's all fine and great. And you know what else it is? It is expected. It's expected right now. Antonio Brown and Derek Carr are supposed to get along great right now because that's what always happens. Antonio Brown is happy to get out of Pittsburgh. Derek Carr is happy to have the best receiver in the league. I guarantee you that in a very short period of time, maybe two or three seasons, not even, I'll even give you a season and a half, two seasons, that relationship is going to go downhill. And guess how many games the the Raiders are going to win? Not very many. They won't win many games, not because of their offense, though. They're gonna they won't win any games because their defense is, is just is just I don't is in rebuild. That's the thing, though, is I don't, I think that <laughs> their offensive personnel is better than their defensive personnel without question. I, I I don't I don't disagree with you uh, right there. However, I will say that I don't think that their offense is going to be strong all year. I think that you're going to see a couple of games where they burst out for 30, but they are. I think they're going to be outrageously inconsistent. First of all, they don't have a great run game, and well, that, and that's a key to a John Gruden offense. You got to find a nice running game. That's right, always worked f- in John. That's Gruden's. why a lot of people have them taking a running back in the first round because they Josh need Jacobs, Jacobs or, or or anybody like that, right? Primarily Jacobs, but. Because they, they, you're right, they are a ground-and-pound type team. That's the way that they run their offense. But this is my point, right? Antonio Brown and Derek Carr are supposed to get along right now. They're supposed to. You know why they don't hate each other yet? And notice how I said that. They don't hate each other yet. They don't hate each other because... They don't really have anything to hate each other about. Right? I mean, I mean, Derek Carr has never accused Antonio Brown of running a bad route. Derek Carr has never lashed out against Antonio Brown on national radio. He's never done any of that stuff that Big Ben did in Pittsburgh. Right? And I can understand that Antonio Brown had every right to be upset in Pittsburgh. But can we please at least acknowledge that he needed a reality check? The fact that Big Ben, that he was pissed about Big Ben in Pittsburgh, does not, is not the part that gets me angry about Antonio Brown. The part that gets me angry about Antonio Brown is how he literally cares about his personal accolades more than his team's success. He was never bitching about the playoffs. He was never bitching about how his team didn't make the playoffs this year. He was bitching about Juju really won team MVP over me. And then a month later, he's still talking about it. 
You can't hold grudges in the NFL. You just can't. Look at what Antonio Brown was worth. If you don't think it's a problem, look at the Steelers' trade. The Steelers got a third-round pick for a guy who has not caught for under 1,200 yards in a season since 2012. He scored 15 touchdowns last year at 30 years old. He is the best wide receiver in the league. And the Steelers got a third-round pick. And just for comparison, shortly after, who got traded? Odell. What did Odell get the Giants? A first-round pick, a third-round pick, and a really good young safety. For Odell, who, let's be honest with you, right? He is younger, but he is more injury-prone. He's also a head case. And he's not as good. If that doesn't prove to you that Antonio Brown is somebody that only the Raiders would take a risk on, John Gruden, Mr. Davis, Mike Mayock, they took a chance with Antonio Brown. You know why? First of all, they got to sell tickets. Oh, they are heading to Vegas. They are heading to Vegas soon. So. Right. I think with Beckham And what's and- box office? Antonio Brown in the place where sports gambling was born. But I think this started both this started though before that started before Antonio Brown when they went out and got John Gruden for ten, for a 10-year contract. So I think this of whole course. I think this whole Absolutely. Raider, that so I'm not going to say Antonio Brown. It, it this started I think with John Gruden. They got Gruden it for absolutely years. did. You're you're a hundred percent right. It absolutely with, did. With Beckham and Brown, I agree. Brown's better, but I do think it's kind of close. I think I think Odell Beckham, when healthy, Beckham when he's on the is, field, is a phenomenal talent. Beckham is getting there, but and and Odell Beckham could very well, you know, if you take some of the circumstances out of his career, excuse me, he could be better than Antonio Brown if his attitude was okay and he. Didn't get hurt, right? Anton- Odell's played what, fifteen games in the last two years or something like that. Uh, he hasn't well, played he missed, a lot. He missed all twenty seventeen. I think in week three or week I th- two. He, I think he played like two games. He got hurt a little bit last year, and then I, I he missed like twelve yeah, I games two seasons ago or something. Yeah, like I'll, that. I'll get it for you. He, he missed, missed, but he's missed plenty of time. Antonio Brown. He missed four games this year. Uh, he he played the first four games in two thousand seventeen. Missed that, and then he. I think that was that was the um, yeah. I think that was the ankle injury. But I, that's I the big difference injury. right there too. Is Antonio Brown never misses any games? Antonio Brown in the past three seasons, three, has missed four games, four. One last year, two the season before, and one the year before that. Then it was sixteen, sixteen, sixteen. He plays. But this is what I don't like about athletes that do this kind of stuff. Yeah, it was a fractured left you, ankle. Right. It's out in 17 for Odell Beckham. Right, 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 right. On that, on that preseason play where everybody was, started well, bashing the, Brian well, Body Calhoun, it I was the pre, There was that preseason ankle injury, but then against the Chargers, that's where, that's where he suffered the fracture. Oh, that's right. Yes, you're right. Chargers. You're right. Yes, you're right. But that's my point. Antonio Brown's really going to have trouble having success 
if he still cares about this stuff. Who cares that Juju Smith-Schuster won team MVP? And especially now, you're not even on the Steelers anymore. Drives me crazy. It really does. Okay. Uh, Coming up next, there's one story that I just can't buy that came out last week. It's really outlandish. And I've never felt the fandom in New York more than I have right now. Find out what story that is. That's coming up next here on the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, You're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And good morning. Here is the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. Good to have you in here on this Monday. Number to call, 631-676-2968. That is 631-676-2968. Call us up, join the conversation. Again, I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer here in the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Um, Still plenty to cover today. Good to have you in. And, you know, there are some times um, where stories get out. And you just kind of say to that story, where the hell did that come from? Where, wh- what, like, what, what could this possibly mean? Who could have pulled this out, right? I mean, let's, let's talk about this for a second, okay? Um, I feel like living in New York... I find that there are particular fan bases, whether it's the Giants or uh, the Knicks, uh, both baseball teams, Yankees and Mets, where they you make more of rumors than any other fan base in sports. First of all, it's New York, and because it's New York, fans tend to buy it a little bit more when it comes out. Right? Oh, because it's New York. Who wouldn't want to play here? And I got to be honest with you. This one is way out there. Way out. So, here's the thing. I read and responded to something on Twitter a couple of days ago. Um, And and here's here's what the tweet said. It said... Do it, Dave Gettleman. Offer both first-round picks this year. Offer both first-round picks for Russell Wilson and make John Schneider say no. John Schneider, the GM, GM, of, the the GM of the Seattle Seahawks. Right. Offer both first-round picks and make John Schneider say no. I can't see the Seahawks trading Russell Wilson in the first place. Well... Here's the thing. Here's here you want to know my response to that seriously. <laughs> like that's an attractive offer. I like I actually saw some other responses that said 
I, I man, I don't, I don't want to give up both my first rounders for Wilson. That's crazy. He's on a contract year. We'd have to pay him. First of all, Russell Wilson is worth your first round picks this year and the next year and the next year and probably some more on top of that. That's what Russell Wilson's worth in trade value. Every single asset you have, or at least close to it, is going to be headed to Seattle if you want Russell Wilson. Right? I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. Secondly, if you got Russell Wilson, would you really sneeze at paying him? Would you really scoff at the idea of paying a top five quarterback in the league? I mean, you're the Giants. Would you really pay him? Would you really scoff at that? So you're the Giants. They'll pay him. Right. He's a top five QB in the league, and has done nothing but win a Super Bowl in his second year, and got back to one and was a play away from winning back to back Super Bowls. Right. But on top of that, elevating a scarcely talented roster. If you look at that Seahawks roster from top to bottom, it is anything but impressive. They've got no offensive line. They barely have any receivers. They don't have a tight end. Their running game is split by four different guys. Yeah, that great defense they had in Seattle, no, it really doesn't exist anymore. They're all gone. Earl Thomas, gone. Richard Sherman, gone. Cam Chancellor, retired. I will say, though. Brandon Browner, gone. Doug Baldwin is one of the most underrated wide receivers in football. He's improved. That man can play. He's improved. He's not a bad weapon. He's an underrated receiver. Reminds me so much of Steve Smith. Smith. But that's the thing, is these... The Seahawks remind the Seahawks offense the way it's structured, structured kind of reminds me of the Packers. They've got the great quarterback, the really good wide receiver, and then virtually nothing else. Like I mean, that's 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 really what I see. I think the you running, know what I mean? but their running game was has been always been pretty good. But Russell that's Wilson. the thing is it's all running back by committee. And Chris, but I mean, sometimes they don't figure out who's having the good game by the third quarter. You know, like. Is it going to be Chris Carson that day? Is it going to be Rashad Penny that day? Is it going to be Mike Davis that day? They, they, Davis not Chicago. Well, right. What do you think but, of that? But I, I know we're going a little off topic. What do you think of that? Jordan Howard being traded to the Eagles. I think it's a great move by the Eagles. I think it is a great move by the Eagles. Yeah. And I, I, to be honest, I don't really know why the Bears were traded him anyway. But he, yeah, they kind of uh, he he apparently didn't really fit this. Didn't really fit Matt Nagy's system. And it seems like they're going to get more of a workload to Reed Cohen. I just think I with know, Jordan I, Howard, I like his big... We'll have to see. I like his physical presence in that cold environment of Chicago and Green Bay and all that stuff. Yeah, but we'll have to see. Interesting uh, trade. I don't see Tariq Cohen as an every down back, but I guess we'll see. Interesting trade. Um, but that's the thing, is we're really talking about Russell Wilson. We're talking about Russell Wilson. Get real. Put this rumor to bed. It isn't even worth talking about beyond me talking about it right now. 
Seriously, do we really believe? Because a couple of things have to happen for him to no longer be a Seattle Seahawk. First thing is he'd want to leave, which doesn't sound like it's the case. I understand that he gave the Seahawks a deadline for extending him. Oh, big deal. Every player does it. Players do it. Players say, look, I'm only going to negotiate up to this period. It's a negotiating tactic to get more money. That is all that that is. I'll agree with that. That's it. And I think and I, I think Russell Wilson will get paid by the Seahawks. He's Absolutely he no, will. The no... Seahawks, look, that Russell Wilson's going to get paid $35 million a year, and he's going to be worth every single penny. Every penny. Okay? Seattle has... Seattle drafted Russell Wilson, who was a mid who was a mid round pick in the NFL draft. Third round, yeah. Right, he was a third rounder. I going to that draft, I really thought he was better than Robert Griffin the third. I really I thought he was better going you into that draft. You're not the only one. You're I not the only one that thought that. There were there were plenty of people that thought that as well. But thinking about it, they drafted Russell Wilson. He won them a Super Bowl. He's made them relevant. He is the only reason that they are relevant for the past number of years. His quarterback record since he has been in Seattle, 75 wins, 36 losses, one tie. That's his record. Career completion percentage, 64%. That's legit. Touchdowns, 196. It's pretty good. Interceptions, only 63. It's pretty good. And he's, oh, think, and on top of that, he runs the ball pretty darn well, too. I, he runs when he has to, though. Like That's what I love of a lot of Russell Wilson. He doesn't run no, he because isn't, he wants to. He isn't Lamar Jackson. He's not one of those guys. Well, he he's, runs, he runs he's not Colin Kaepernick where he runs every play. He's he is... A, Right. Russell's a very pocket quarterback. He reminds me a lot of Donovan McNabb, Donovan McNabb in that sense, where he's very pocket heavy yeah. and runs when he has to. Steve McNair, yeah. Steve Young, you know those kind of quarterbacks. You right. know, pocket heavy, but runs when he has to. Right. He exactly. he knows he has the talent to run and use his legs, but he does it when he has to. Yeah. And I think what's also bigger, Russell Wilson, is regular season, postseason. The guy's clutch. You, you can trust him in a oh, big sure. game. Regu- regular season Absolutely. and postseason, he 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 plays he plays very well in the big moments. Even Patriot fans might have something to say about that, just because of that one play and is it that is one it, that that was a coaching decision that think, wasn't Russell Wilson. Do you think that play has defined Russell Wilson? In his no, career? no. And I, I would agree. Absolutely not. Let, let's okay. I, I don't know if you actually think that. I no, don't no, know. I don't. I, don't I, just, if, I just, I just, I don't know if people, anybody thinks that. If anybody does I think see, that, so I think, wow. I think that might be I, his legacy. No, that might be absolutely one of, not. Or at least one Russell of Wilson's legacy forever should be. This is what it should be. Probably won't be, but this is what it should be. I'm just saying that Russell but, Wilson winning a Super Bowl in his second year should be his legacy. I just think that might that might be the case. That might be because we, we remember a lot. Everybody, everybody remembers that. I agree that Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson shouldn't be remembered for that play. I agree it was a coaching move. It should have just been a run to Marshawn Lynch and run up the middle and win the Super Bowl. Um. But I think a lot of people point to that moment and say, well, that was the end of the what could have been Seahawks dynasty. I think a lot of people expected the Seahawks to win more than one Super Bowl, and they well, look no, at that they, moment as the end of what could have been a, a, a dynasty. Well, that dynasty 
ended because there were a number of their defensive players that needed to get paid and they couldn't afford them. And they started having attitude problems. Right? They're all, they're all guys Mike, who unhappy. Michael, Michael Bennett was really rowdy in that locker room, so they got rid of him. Richard Sherman was the same way, so they got rid of him. And, and to be honest, I don't see anything wrong with that. The Seahawks are still relevant. They have a less talented roster, but it's because Russell Wilson carries them on their back, which is why I'm saying if we're really going to be real about this, and, and, and this tweet that I, that I responded to where he's, he's like, look, if you're the Giants, if you're Dave Gettleman, send both of your first-round picks to Seattle for Russell Wilson. Yeah, like like that'll get the job done. That's not getting you Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, put this thing to bed, okay? Russell Wilson is a once-in-20-to-30-years type quarterback. He is. Russell Wilson is a top-five quarterback in the game, and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Russell Wilson is going to be one of the best to ever do it. And you're telling me that two first-round picks is going to make Seattle say, okay, here you go. Seattle is going to do whatever they can to keep him. What reason do they have for letting him go? He hasn't shown that he doesn't want to be there. He hasn't shown that he wants to be somewhere else. And if the problem really in Seattle is, well, he wants to be the highest-paid quarterback in the league, well, then make him the highest-paid quarterback in the league. He's got a great attitude. He's a great leader. He's a phenomenal football player. Like I keep saying, top-five quarterback in the league. I mean... You don't have the reason not to pay him. I, I think it's I, I think it's clear cut. And this is what I'm talking about, about how New York fans make stories bigger than what they should be. Russell Wilson, I am going to enlighten you right now. Russell Wilson has absolutely zero chance of being a New York Giant. Zero. Every little rumor that you hear about Russell Wilson going to the New York Giants is a fallacy. Well, I mean, it's, it's it the, is reaching. It's the sense. It's I think it, the feeling is all right. We, Eli Manning's run is coming to an end, but here's it's this, over. <laughs> here's this, but here's this big. Here's this. It's coming to an end, but here's this big superstar quarterback who's on the market. This is New York. Yeah, the Giants he won't be on the market. Well, he's he won't be, a, be on the well, market. This is his last year. If, look, if the Seahawks don't get an extension to him, they're going to tag him. They're gonna tag him. It's the first. He will not hit free agency. No, he won't. He will not hit free agency for every year. They can't reach an extension with him. They will just tag him, and Russell Wilson will just be like, okay, because look, what what is what is if he gets franchise tag for multiple years in a row, right? For a quarterback, what is that franchise tag value? Because it goes up every year. What's he going to be making $35 million on a one-year deal? Around that, I think. On a franchise tag? But that's the thing. Is it at that point, the Seahawks might as well just say, all right, we're going to pay you for six more years at $35 million a clip, and we're going to take our chances with you. Look, 
in the seven years that he's been in the NFL, which is crazy. I can't believe he's been in the NFL right. for seven years already. Seven years? Seven years he's been in the NFL. He has done nothing but elevate that franchise. The Seahawks were nothing before that. Nothing. I mean, that's a little unfair. Evan. The Seahawks, but the who Se- was their quarterback before Russell Wilson? Well, if we're, well, if we're going the one year with Tavares Jackson, I think in 2011, was Hasselbeck and the Seahawks had some had some had a nice run. They did. We we need to be fair. They did have a nice run. Seattle with Matt Hasselbeck. I don't know. They, I mean, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say they were wasn't bad, before. but wasn't close nice, to what Wilson no, was. It's not. Well, I mean, no, they didn't go to back to back Super Bowls. They did go to Super Bowl Super Bowl 40. Made uh, playoff appearances. Uh, I might have gotten to two A's. I know they got to the one oh five. They might have gotten to a second one. Of course, they pulled off the big upset against the Saints. I don't like I, I to say that they were irrelevant pre Russell Wilson. They were pretty irrelevant. I mean, they were eight and eight. Wilson. They were eight and eight before he got there in two thousand eleven. They were around seven, nine, eight, and eight before he got there. But let me let me see. Let me make sure. That twenty eleven Seahawks team, or right yeah, before they, they were the se- they were the Cincinnati Bengals. They were seven and nine, but they were the I mean, NFC version was, of the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, that was kind of the beginning of that of that team of that team, and Russell Wilson getting there kind of completed it. You know, that was I mean, they had a nice run, I think, prior to Russell Wilson getting there. I think they did. I think to say that they were irrelevant, I think that's a little taking a bit of a stretch. That that's just me. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I know. But okay, uh, look, I, I just this is one of those stories where I just can't I can't wrap my head around it. I think people are reaching big time here. No, they are. And listen, I, like I said, it's more so the fact that it's New York looking for a new franchise oh, quarterback yeah. for the New York Giants who hey I love the Jets, but yes, the Giants are the premier football team here in New York, and then one of the two premier teams in the city, other than the New York Yankees. So, you know, okay, hey, this is big name quarterback available. This big name franchise of the New York Giants needs a quarterback. Hey, Giants, go make an attempt to get him. Hey, Dave Gellman, you got two first round picks. You trade away Odell Beckham Jr. You're kind of not on the fans' good side here. Yeah, go get Russell Wilson, kind of make up for it in a way. You know what I'm saying? You know, Never I think that's kind of happen. It's not going to happen. Never going to happen. Russell Wilson will be a Seahawk for life, and the Seahawks have had decent quarterbacks in their time. Jim yeah. Zorn, Matt Hasselbeck, but that's my but point. Russell's the is best like focus had. on something that's actually obtainable. You know what I mean? Like, do you really think that you should be focusing on all of your energy on trying to get Russell Wilson? I look, Russell Wilson's phenomenal. You have no shot at getting him. Josh Rosen's obtainable. Give up your later first-round pick for Josh Rosen to make the Cardinals say no. You just said he was the first guy in the building today. Oh, yeah, and the right? Cardinals offseason condition. Yeah, Ian Rappaport reported today. He that, was the um, first guy in the building for the Cardinals today. Conditioning great, program, yeah. great. First-round pick, you have your next guy. That's it. That's all it takes. See, that or you draft one. Pick your choice. Focus on something obtainable. Don't reach for rumors. Okay. Uh, well, I think that's kind of it, though. We're in an NFL. This is kind of the NFL period pre-draft where we're yeah, trying to find Evan, things. Yeah, but even you think, have to admit, this is a little. But that's, but that's what that's I mean. Much. This is just, well, no, it's not much. It's just that's how it is, though. Like, a lot of stuff comes out. You know, we, they like the, it's, it's stuff to talk about in a way. It's most likely not going to happen, but it just pops up But here that's and there. the thing. It's like the Odell trade, that's believable. This is like, you've got, you've got to be kidding me. Like, there's absolutely zero chance. Zero. All right. Coming up next, our number two. Aaron Rodgers is everything I said he was 
And this article by Bleacher Report proved it. I'll tell you why next. Haystack, hour number two on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents The, 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 the Haystack, Haystack Show. Show with Mike Guido. And it is so good to have you here on the Haystack, hour number two. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com, Facebook Live, Twitter, Periscope, Spotify. We're everywhere. You're in the right place. Number to call is 631-676-2968. That is 631-676-2968. Call us up. Join the conversation. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. Good to have you in here on a Monday. Again, our number two here on this illustrious Monday. Um, plenty to cover today. Good stuff coming in uh, uh, into the first hour. Still plenty to cover. Uh, I'm going to make my pick for the national championship game tonight. Um, and i got to be honest with you, I'm still thinking about it. I really am. I, <laughs> I really... I'm still thinking about who's going to win this game. Um, Virginia surprised me like crazy. I knew that Texas Tech was going to go deep. I didn't think that they were going to be in the Final Four. I think I had both of these teams out in the Elite Eight. Um, But, uh, look, I I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. I think it's going to be a defensive showdown. Um, So that's going to come up a little bit later. I guess it's fun because it's... It's fun because I don't think anyone really expected this one. No one expected, this, not many people expected this one. Yeah, I, 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 I think don't a lot think people so said either. Duke no. and someone, Duke, and obviously Duke was the one. I but, picked Duke, North Carolina. Yeah. I, I thought Duke, North Carolina was going to be the national championship game. And if it wasn't going to be Duke, Duke, North Carolina, I think I had a bracket where it was Duke, Tennessee. Mm. I really thought well, the Tennessee. Tennessee. What? You love the volunteer. I, I love Tennessee. Tennessee. I, I thought they had a great roster and they played incredibly fast, which was. Uh, I didn't think a lot of teams were going to keep up with them, but they did. uh, They lost to Texas Tech. Mm. Yeah, they lost to Texas Tech, um, who has taken the world by storm. I mean, Jarrett Culver is solidifying himself as a top five pick in the NBA draft. And that's the thing is, and I'm going to get into this a little bit later, two top ten NBA draft picks are playing in this game tonight. Some people don't know it. Jarrett Culver of Texas Tech and DeAndre Hunter of of Virginia are both going to be top 10 picks in the NBA draft. Um, you know, because the NBA draft is basically solely surrounded on Zion Williamson and nobody else. Nobody else knows who any of the other guys are. Um, but anyway, here we go. Um, later part of this hour, coming up at about like 1230. I'd like to say like 1230. I'm going to go by division in the NFL. In wake of the new Jets jerseys, I'm going to rank by division, the best unis in the NFL. So we're going by like you. We're going by yeah, like. Yeah, I, I don't want. Other... I don't want to go thirty-two to one because that's get that gets way too long. No, 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 but I'm like, going to go by division. It's going to be I think like that's better. It's going to be the primary unis. Or are we also including like the alternate jerseys? Uh, talk... I, their whole collection. Their whole collection. Their whole okay. collection of unis. Okay. Not past jerseys that they wear once every five years. So no Pittsburgh Steeler Bumblebee jerseys and no New York Well, no, because they wear the Bumblebee jerseys every year. So, like, the Bumblebee jerseys are included for the Steelers. The Packers have the really ugly yellow and blue ones. And with the circle on the number, Yeah, those count. Um, I'm not going to count 
like the old, um, I'm not going to count like the older Jets jerseys that they're never going to wear anymore. Right. Like, you know, it's the just Titan jerseys. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not going to, not going to count those. Are we going to count the uh, Baltimore Ravens purple jerseys, yellow pants look that they were in 2015? <laughs> did they wear it once? Did they? Did they, they wear? Any, I think they wore, after that. I, no, I think they would just wear that. Then one it does time. not count. Purple jerseys, yellow pants. Well, the rankings it. are already done, so it's right. it's too late to kind of take all this late stuff into consideration. I was, I, was I, I spent that whole. I watched that game, and I'm like, this is. I was real. I was laughing. I'm like, purple jerseys and gold pants. Uh-huh. That was funny. All right, so let's get into this. Um. So I. The last week, the world was buzzing. The sports world was going crazy because of this article written by Tyler Dunn of uh, of Bleacher Report. Um, so the Packers they've had a lot of um, stuff flying around in regards to the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. Um. And everybody's responding to this article, you know, and and this, uh, the article was kind of focused on how egos destroyed the Packers. And this has kind of become the theme of, especially my show, but plenty of other sports talk shows, is that egos never, ever, ever lead to success. Ever. They never do. Especially now. The egos now are stronger than they ever were. You can't possibly have success with them. So, let me just put it to you this way. In life, nothing can be successful if you hold a grudge. Nothing. Marriage, friendship, professional relationship, Literally anything. If your wife cheats on you, you either got to resolve it or get out. Right? Put it to bed or leave. Because holding it in is never going to work. This article does a lot of bashing of both Rodgers and McCarthy. Stuff about McCarthy missing team meetings for massages and having a low football IQ and stuff like that. Look, if all that's true, he should have been fired. No problem. I'm cool with that. All right, if he's missing team meetings because he's got him, he's he's got a massage appointment. But he, uh, he I'm, 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 he, I'm cool with it. Mike denied. Mike McCarthy denied. I, that. I know. I know. But I have a feeling that that's true. Um, there are a lot of players that are saying, yep, he absolutely he did that. Um, look, not a bad football coach, but you can't have that stuff going on. You can't. Here's the thing that really drew my attention. Aaron Rodgers holding a grudge against Mike McCarthy for 13 years. 13 years he held the same grudge against Mike McCarthy. Mike, what is that? Oh, I'll tell you. He can't get over how McCarthy drafted Alex Smith 
over him 13 years ago. Emphasis on as he was a member, as he was the offensive coordinator for a different team. He was the offensive coordinator, but Mike Nolan was the head coach at the time. Uh-huh. So technically, he's the one that had, and of course, there was a G. It was there was. A, I apologize. I forget who the GM of the Niners was at the time in 2005. But it's the GM. Oh, and the head how coach. could you? It's the GM and the head coach who make the final try. I'm sure Mike McCarthy said, "Hey, I love I love Alex Smith. I'll you know you know we'll do this and that with him." Mm-hmm. So, but he's the court. He's the offensive coordinator. I'm sure he had input. But the final say is when it comes to the draft is the general manager and the head coach. Mostly the general manager. That's the final say. So it's kind of weird that like Aaron Rodgers says, "Well, yeah, he drafted more Alex Smith over me." I'm like. You're acting like he was the head coach of the 49ers at the time. Offensive coordinator, I'm sure he was like, hey, man, I'm sure he gave his input on Alex Smith and Mike and Aaron Rodgers. But, and I'm sure he felt Alex Smith was, was the best quarterback in the draft because, I mean, the Niners drafted him. So, but, People got to remember that when Alex Smith and Aaron Rodgers got drafted, the consensus around the league was that Alex Smith was the better quarterback. The consensus around the league. It was not a... Some teams thought Aaron Rodgers was. Some teams thought Alex Smith was the guy to have. Most teams in the NFL thought Alex Smith was the guy. Right? It's usually the first quarterback that goes is the consensus number one quarterback. Right? The exception being maybe last year. Because most people thought it was Darnold and the Browns took Mayfield. But you can make the case that Baker Mayfield was the best quarterback in the draft last year. You really, I, I mean, sure, absolutely. Look, I love him. I, I, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be as good as anybody that's coming out of this draft, or even better. But here's the thing: Trent Baalke was. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Scott McLaughlin was the GM at the time. Actually, they had a rookie head coach and a rookie GM. Scott McLaughlin was the head coach, was the GM in, in uh, or executive, a vice president. He was the vice president, player personnel, and GM in 2005, and of course, rookie head coach of Mike Nolan in 2005. Right. So they had a rookie. They had and Mike McCarthy's offensive coordinator year with the Niners. That was his only year, 2005. That was his only year as yep. o, as OC. So first year OC, first then, year VP, and put, then the next year he got hired by the Packers. Yeah. So while Brett Favre was still the quarterback, right? So let's think about this, okay? Thirteen years later, Aaron still can't get over. The fact that his head coach drafted another guy. Aaron, you're one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Can you get over it? You proved all the doubters wrong already. Some people call you the most talented quarterback to ever play. Who cares who got drafted first? Right? When you get into a relationship with a woman, right, and this is the woman that you want to marry, right, let's just, let's have a little fun with this. Let's say she agrees to marry you. Well, then who cares about her ex-boyfriends? Yeah, who cares about the guy that she dated before you? Now she's with you and she loves you. So much so that she wants to marry you, which is basically what the Packers did. The Packers said, look, you're right, Aaron. 
or Joe, uh, uh, Mike McCarthy said, I- I'm sure. All right, well, we can make this work. <laughs> this guy Aaron Rodgers pretty good. What did the Packers do? Hey, we paid him pretty hard. But Aaron Rodgers, ugh. God, coach, you liked another guy before you liked me? That's just, it's unforgivable, man. Please. Quit acting like that. Do, do you think this, now this this piece on Bleach by Bleach Report, do you think this made, who, who, who did this make, this made them both look bad. Both of them didn't win here, but who do you think it made worse, Aaron or Mike? Aaron. Aaron? I think it made Aaron look worse because they did a lot of bashing of Mike McCarthy too because of all of it. They're basically claiming him to be really like irresponsible I mean, I remember- within the team. It's, but I think that Aaron, they made Aaron out to be like he's impossible to play with. Like... You can't play with him unless, like, he really, really likes you. And that's that's really what I see. That's what I pulled away from the article. Is I, I think they made him look at look like a guy who you just, no matter what, you just can't get along with him. I mean, tr- the, the day the Packers hired Mike uh, Matt LaFleur, Trent Dilfer tweets, Mike McCarthy, he, he, Matt LaFleur is Mike McCarthy before Mike McCarthy stopped grinding. Meaning, Mike McCarthy just... And that's something that I think a lot of people... But think about it like this, too. Matt LaFleur is a really nice, young coach that who's up and coming, right? But stop... Who's pretty, who's pretty highly touted. He was not... He, you know, he wasn't great in Tennessee the year before, but he was a guy that a lot of people were kind of sorting uh, after. As soon as he went to Green Bay, what was everybody's reaction? Uh, is Aaron going to like that? See, that's the thing. Is Aaron it's like, like that? Right. It, it's going to be like, th- this is the one thing that I take away from LeBron, is that LeBron is very difficult to make perfectly happy. He can be content, but he's not going to be thrilled with virtually anything that you do, right? It, it, it's very hard to, hard to please him. It's very hard to get him to like something that you do. Right, everything that has to happen around him has to be handpicked by him. Aaron's very similar. Aaron is kind of a guy that needs everything to go right around him, or else all hell breaks loose. And that's the way it's been at least for the past number of years. Think about it: the, the Packers did not have very great success this year, especially late in the year. Why do you think that is? It's not because Mike McCarthy's a bad football coach. It's not because um, Aaron Rodgers is a bad football player. That the Packers had a really good defense last year. Yeah, they're like I mean, ninth or eighth or something. Like they were like that. eighth in the league in defense. Yeah, they they had a good defense last year, pretty solid, and it got and, better. I mean, and, they hired they got they signed Darius Smith, they signed yeah, Preston Smith, they signed Adrian um, Amos, Adrian, they, Adrian Amos. They, they they no, their defense definitely got better this year. But here's my thing: the Packers didn't succeed last year because it's what I say all along. Their focus isn't on football. Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy got to a point where they literally couldn't stand each other. And the primary reason for that wasn't because, and I know Aaron disagreed with play calls. That's coaching, right? That's coaching and that's a coach-player relationship, right? I'm sure that Tom Brady 
disagrees with certain play calls from Bill Belichick. Like, I'm certain that Drew Brees and Sean Payton disagree on play calls sometimes. It happens. The one thing that drove this relationship out of the water was something that happened 13 years ago. Aaron couldn't get it out of his head. Well, and did you don't see the story well, that if, Greg Jennings told? And it's kind of like the thing of, like, you don't trust me because, you remember, you drafted somebody else over me back in 2005. Big deal. And also... Was it 2005 was, or 2006? It was, it no, was it was 2005. It was 05? The Alex Smith, Aaron Rodgers draft that was 2005. Was okay. Smith went number one. Rodgers went 20, 20, something like that. And again, 21. And that's how I think Rodgers holds, hold that, holds it up because it wasn't just the fact that he got picked. It was because he waited so long. 24. He hated, Aaron Rodgers 24. went 24. Rodgers hated the fact that he, that he had to wait for that long. He hates that to this day. He hated that. He always. Yeah. But like that's, uh, that's my point. It's like, who cares that. 14 years ago, you needed to wait till the 24th pick to get drafted, right? Everybody that didn't pick you at 24, I'm sure they're regretting it now. You've proven everybody wrong in your career, right? You've proven everybody wrong. You've taken the high road. You've won a Super Bowl. You've been the MVP multiple times. You are already one of the best quarterbacks to ever live. You've already made it. Also, there are other quarterbacks who Who waited, cares who, about what anybody else did? Who cares about who disrespected you? You already proved them wrong. Also, who other, gives a crap? Other quarterbacks also waited longer than he did. There were three other quarterbacks. I'm looking at the draft. There were three quarterbacks taken right after Aaron Rodgers. I mean, these quarterbacks, again, they're not as big names as Aaron Rodgers. One, you know, Jason Campbell. Um, uh, where was oh, Shoot, where was he? David Green. Uh, and um, trying to find who's the second, ah, the second quarterback. I passed him. You know, but oh, Andrew Waller. You know, obviously these guys weren't as big names as Aaron Rodgers, and obviously didn't have the careers as Rodgers. But you know, in, they did wait longer than you did. They had these guys had to sometimes wait a day or two. Kyle Orton, fourth round pick. These guys had to wait a day or two. You know, Jason Campbell's picked right after Aaron Rodgers. You know, so you weren't the only one who waited. You know, there were other guys who had to wait a little longer than you did. Just you know, that's kind of how I feel about. It. And also, I could be wrong. But I'm going. I'm trying to think back to. I'm trying to think back to that time period in 2008 when Brett Favre retired and Favre wanted to come back. I think Mike McCarthy was one of those guys who said we we should, we need to go with Aaron Rodgers. I'm pretty sure he was. I I know obviously Maybe. he was Ted, Ted Thompson. Obviously, what Ted Thompson was the leader of. No, we're going with Aaron Rodgers. Favre, we don't. Favre, listen, Brett, we loved everything you've done. But we got this Aaron Rodgers guy. We like him a lot. But I'm pretty sure also, I'm going to, I want to double check, but I'm pretty sure Mike McCarthy also was a part of the, I, no, Rodgers is our guy, and I want to go with that. And he probably was, because Mike McCarthy was the head coach at the time. Mike McCarthy is the head, was the head you coach even at the time. Thought, you even heard this. I remember watching this and hearing this. You ready? Sure. Excuse me. The Niners were surprised that Aaron Rodgers was falling as far as he did. Mm-hmm. They were thinking about taking him in round two. They were thinking about saying, look, oh, we, got, we got Alex Smith number one overall. And they were going to take him second overall? They might have taken Aaron Rodgers with the first pick in the second round oh. and said, hey, why not just have the two best quarterbacks in the draft battle it out for the starting spot, and then we'll trade one we'll of them. We'll trade one of them, yeah. Like, they, not they, were, idea. they were thinking about that. 
That's not a bad. But idea. honestly, Evan, and, and this is the conversation we that that really this needs to focus on. Who cares? Who cares about where you were drafted? Anybody that didn't draft you number one overall, right? Anybody who passed up on you in the first round, I'm sure they're regretting it right now. I'm certain they are. You're one of the best of all time. Get over it. It really isn't that big a deal, okay? Look, I have no problem with yelling and screaming at each other, okay? That's sports. I I, I get it. Having stuff swept under the rug is, that'll kill you. Okay, I, I like to put it like this, right? When you sweep things under the rug, you still kind of feel the lumps and it makes it a little difficult to walk. That's what I like to say. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that's another thing that Rogers, needs to, that Rogers needs to understand. Like, the Packers organization, you know, the entire Packer organization, Chaz, and they wanted you. You know, when Favre decided to come back, they said, sure, we'll have a quarterback yeah. competition. Sure. But we really like Rogers. And I'm sure Mike McCarthy was a part of that. Can you at least... Well, the, well, when McCarthy was in San Francisco, I'm pretty sure he wasn't in the part, you know, in the room with the Packers who wanted to draft Rodgers. No, but I'm talking about in 2008 when the whole Favre thing came up. Oh, sure. You know, I mean, look, I, I, I have no question in my mind that the um, that Mike McCarthy has had... Aaron Rodgers is back for the most of his for the uh, majority of his career, which is why I take bigger shots at Aaron right now than I do at Mike McCarthy. Mm-hmm. If Mike McCarthy was acting immaturely as a head coach, fine, he got his just desserts, he got fired, right? Aaron Rodgers got paid thirty four million dollars a year and has zero accountability in this situation. So well, that's just not that's always been Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers has always been, and again, you know, we've seen it before. Rodgers, where he where he's Blame things on the defense. Blame things on on uh, practice squad guys. Blame things uh-huh. on the on the um, on the uh, the the, uh, the scout teams. Uh, there was a story that Greg Jennings have told that uh, Greg Jennings was talking to Carlos Rogers uh, during a game with the forty against the Forty ers and I believe this uh-huh. is all this is in the article. And Jennings is talking to Rogers about you know running around and the fact he's joking around with him that he's in a contract year. And then Rogers goes up to Carlos Rogers. Rogers goes up to him while Rogers and Jennings are talking. Again, Jennings is going to be Jennings is going to be a free agent at the end of the year, and he looks at Rogers, Carlos Rogers, and he goes, "You guys should get this guy," meaning Greg Jennings. Uh-huh. And Greg Jennings is like, "Wouldn't you want me back?" And Greg Jennings, he kind of took to, you could take that as you will personally, but Greg Jennings kind of took that as like, "Buddy, wouldn't you want me back? Why would you say to the Forty Nineers you should get me? Like, wouldn't you want me back?" That's kind of how Greg Jennings took it. Right, you know, I I don't know. I I think that whole situation screwed up. Whole, I, and look, and that's my whole point about egos, is especially in a case where it's like Aaron Rodgers. He's as talented as he is, but he's got that thing in the back of his mind where he's always angry. It's really hard to succeed like that. Okay, uh, coming up next, we're gonna have a little fun. Um, I can't. You get. You know. You know how you much. Can't of, wait. You know how much you can't of wait. a you're jersey. Mr. Jer- you're my. You're Mr. Jersey. You can't <laughs> wait for this. I love. I love jerseys. I Best do, especially NFL jerseys. In wake of the new uh, Jets uniforms, baseball jerseys. I love too. Um. Uh. In wake of the new Jets unis, love uniforms. Um. Love jerseys. 
New jerseys are great. Uh, but um, in wake of the new Jets jerseys, we are going to rank by division the best jerseys. Well, I, I'm going to say uniforms. The best uniforms in the NFL by division. That's coming up next. Haystack, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we're back. This is the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. All right, it's time to have a little fun. Uh, hour number two. Still got stuff to cover today, but first I want to do this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um... We got music and stuff like that. Ed? Yeah, yeah, I got, it, I got it. Perfect. Perfect. Um, all right. So let's do this. We are going to rank by division in wake of the new Jets unis because I know how excited Jet fans are for that. Uh, we're gonna rank by division. I definitely saw a mixed reaction. The best to the NFL jerseys. uniforms in the league. So here we go. So let's do it. Um. So let's start off in the AFC East, where uh, I guess we are um, obligated to start because of these new unis. All right, uh, I'm going to go four to one. I think by far the worst unis in this division belong to the Miami Dolphins. I think, I, I, think I agree with that. They're atrocious. They're flat out atrocious. I'm not as sour as I once was on the color scheme. I actually like their helmets a little bit like that. Yeah. God, I just their jerseys are so ugly. They are. It's they are probably one of the worst, if not the worst, uniforms in the NFL. They really are. They are putrid, putrid. There's nothing to them. Miami's four. Okay, number uh, number three. Give me Buffalo. I actually think I, Buffalo's helmets I love. Like I, their primary logo with the actual Buffalo Bill. I think is flat out awesome, and it's been awesome for years. Right, right. Personally, if it were me, I'd bring back the red helmets. Oh, I'd yeah. bring back the red ones with the blue stripe and the white face. Oh, I love their. All- I would love that if I, they did that. I love their all blue jerseys that they have now, but the jerseys that they were in like the mid two, like the two thousands before this, before the switch back to like the blue. That was like the navy blue and the white. Uh-huh. You know, Takio Spikes, Drew Bledsoe. Uh, Willis McGahee. Yeah. That's kind of like oh, sure. Nate Clement. Like, that's kind of like where I look at it. I like those unis a lot by the Bills. I wish they'd bring them back. Yeah. No, I, and I don't know. The the stripes on the sleeves and yeah. everything. It's, it's slick. I like it. Uh, all right. Number two. Give me the New England Patriots. And, and here's the thing. At New England. New England's got good jerseys. I don't love their primaries. I don't love them. Really? I lo- their color rush unis oh, are sweet. sick. They're sweet. Their color rush unis are sick. Uh, the all navy blue with the really bright red and everything. Oh, they got they got it good with the color they, rush. They did very well with the color rush. So New England's number two, and the Jets are number one. I actually think the Jets did a relatively good job. Um, I think the new helmets are flat out insanely cool. Um, and as far as the jerseys and stuff like that are concerned. They're all right, the but stealth black. They are definitely better than they were. St- the stealth black jerseys during night games are gonna be 
beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be cool. <laughs> They're gonna be in prime time. I hope. I hope the Jets' first prime time game that they have this year, they rock those jerseys. Oh, it's gonna be beautiful. All right. Um, let's go to the NFC East. Uh, I'm sorry. Worst unis in the division are the New York Giants. Really? They, they suck. Oh, they're, I, I they're disagree. They're really bad. Disagree. They are really bad. We agreed on the AFC East. Here, I disagree. Here's the thing. Uh, I think the helmets are fine. I hate the gray pants. Hate them. And especially their home jerseys where it's just that plain blue and the white numbers. That's a classic. No, they're not. They're not classic. Their classic jerseys was when they were striped a little bit and they were a little bit darker and it actually had some accents to it. They made it look plain. The Giants unis are awful. They are flat out awful. I'll tell you what, what I never liked about what I don't like about Giants jerseys, what Giants jerseys I don't like, the red. I was never a fan of the red look. I will say that. They've kind of kind of yeah. gone away with it, but I never liked yeah. the red look. Yeah. No, I, I don't love it either. So the Giants are four. Number three, this is gonna be a very unpopular opinion. Philadelphia. Uh, I, That's I disagree. I, I Philadelphia. I I don't love it. Again, I think they're another team that could. I, I I'm trying to kind of base this off of, based on what logo you have and what color scheme you have. What could you do? I feel like they could do so much better. I really do. And th look, they don't have. They're they're not bad. Their helmets are not bad. Their jerseys are not bad. Make them really cool. You know what I mean? I feel like they kind of. You know, shimmy down a little bit. I don't know. I, I I don't love them. All right, number two, the Washington Redskins. I think that they've. I know they I are. Have them last. I know that everybody hates what the Redskins do. I'm the only guy that seems to like the wine and gold look. I actually like the the darker red and the yellow. I think it's a really cool look. Um, I the thing that's doing it uh, doing it for me with them is their helmets. The yellow fa face mask. I love. I think it's so cool. Um. But that's Washington at number two. And number one, well, I mean, how about them Cowboys? <laughs> I mean, the classic, look, I don't, I actually, I'll actually say this about Dallas. I, I don't like their white jerseys. I don't. Really? I don't like them. I like their navy blue jerseys. I yes. think their color rush jerseys are out of the park. They're beauty. And how can you not like the, the star on the helmet? Mm. Right? How could you no, not I like, like the star in the helmet? I like the Dallas, ones, I think, killed it. Their best, their best jerseys are the ones they rock on Thanksgiving, where it's navy blue and they got the star on the shoulder pads. That's, yeah, those that's are their the old best. Ones. To me, that's, their old ones. that's the best ones. They're good. They're good. That's the best ones. Yeah, right, I, uh, I, NFC North. I got I got Philly at one, Dallas at two. Dallas a close second. Who's three and four? Giants three, Redskins four. Or, uh, Washington wow. four. All right. Uh, you know what? Let's do AFC North. Oh, boy. The Baltimore Ravens are number four. Oh, get out. Get out right now. I'm sorry, get Evan. Get out. I just, I don't like Over them. Cleveland? Yeah. Get out of I here. I actually like Cleveland. But Baltimore, I'm sorry, Evan. It, it's boring to me. It's boring. Look, I, I, and like I said, it's one of those things where I think that they could make it look really cool, and they just don't. I think the plain black helmet's kind of lame. I think that their jerseys could have a little bit more flair to them. They're kind of boring to me. Sorry. Oh. They're kind of boring to me. The purple and black pants, the purple jersey, black pants look. It's not a bad cool. combination. That's it's cool. Just, that's not a bad combination. I'm just saying it's just, I, I think they could make it a little bit more interesting Again, than it is. All, the all black jerseys are during night games? Sweet. The other jerseys are not, not worse than Cleveland. 
those jerseys are Cincinnati awful. is number three. I think that they. I mean, they're nice. I like, they're I like okay, the and, and that's that. Like the tiger print, I think is pretty cool. Uh, their helmets are fine, uh, but like I said, uh, I think there's only so much that you can do with that. It's just not a great product. I don't love it. Number two, the Pittsburgh Steelers. God. God, you the got Pittsburgh. Cleveland. Cleveland over- is number one. I, oh I love Cleveland's jerseys. Oh my I think Cleveland's jerseys are awesome. And I know everybody hates them. Cleveland, I think, has a really slick look. The orange Cleveland jerseys are awesome. They're awesome. I'm sorry. And <sighs> Pittsburgh, like I said, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is on the verge of boring too. You know what I mean? It, that's it's a, that's it's a, very old. And I, I you know, and I get the classic look, which is why I put them at number two. And I don't think that their uniforms are bad. Cleveland's new updated look, I love. And I know it's a really unpopular opinion, but I love their new look. I absolutely love it. All right, I, yeah, I got, I got Cleveland, Cincy, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. All right, I can't, I can't put Baltimore over uh, Cleveland. It's usually, what the division looks like. Yeah, so, yeah, sometimes, <laughs> yeah, you know, pretty much. Cleveland, Cincinnati, with Baltimore, and Pittsburgh, five. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, all right, NFC North now, number four. This one's this obvious. One. This one's obvious. Detroit. Oh my God. Yeah. Detroit's uh, like. I agree with that. I always say, I always say this about Detroit, right? I agree. The Detroit with that. Lions, Lions are the most boring team in football. They are, right? Part of the reason is because they don't have anything good to wear. They're they're awful. And seriously, like the new gray uniforms that they have are flat out atrocious. Oh yeah. They're I'm atrocious. It's like gray with blue stripe on. Yeah, it's, they they oh. it's it's just bad. That's not it's Detroit Lions Detroit. to me. All right, number three. Um, the Bears. Really? The Bears. I are got three. them at one. The Bears are at three. I, I actually like their orange jerseys. I think those are pretty cool. I and again, they, they don't they don't have a bad look. Um, it's got a classic look to it. Um, one thing I don't like. I got the and, and I know that it's that it's more of a classic look, and I get it. They gotta update the helmet. They have to. They have to update the helmet. What's the update? It's the. It's like. Uh, why would you update the Bears helmet? It's like you the Cowboys. It's like the Cowboys helmet. You, you never update it. It's because again, it just looks tattered. Update. It looks you, old. You never update the Cowboys, oh, Steelers, and, and 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 Bears helmets. Those are like the and the Packers. Those are like the four helmets you do not ever ever touch. All right. So the Bears are at three. I got the Packers at two. I got the Vikings at three. Packers two. Packers at two. Uh, and here's the primary reason for I that. I agree with that. Here's the primary reason for the Packers uh, being at two. Those older alternates that they wear, like the blue one with, with the, the yellow circle, yellow number on it. Yeah. 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 Th- those yeah. I will admit right now, those are the worst uniforms any team has worn in football. They have. They have. By far, they're ugly as sin. Ugliest, they're worse than the Bumblebee jerseys. They are flat out terrible. Terrible. Other than that, I think they're pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Number one's Minnesota. I think Minnesota's got really nice shoes. They're pretty nice. Really nice. Minnesota, I think their helmet is awesome. And I think their jersey has some flair to it. I actually like it. They actually they look slick. I like them. I think I like the road. I think I like their road jerseys over their home jerseys. I don't know why. All right, it's I fair. got the Bears. I got the Bears at one. I, I, it's the classic. The Bears jerseys are just classics. They're great. I love them. All right, I'm gonna motor through the AFC South, and the primary reason I'm gonna motor through the AFC South is because I think they're all awful. Really? Uh, most of them. Don't like uh, the Colts. Number four is Indianapolis. Really? I actually think the Colts are last. Wow. They. I disagree. You want to talk about looking old? Indianapolis has zero flair to it. They wear high school unis. 
I'm serious. They wear high school scrimmage unis. They really do. Their helmet's boring. Their jersey has nothing but one blue stripe on it and a number. It's I, I mean, it's up there with the Giants. I, I, they're just boring. They could do so much more with it. I got Tennessee at last. I'm not. I'm not that. I think Tennessee is kind of playing around with their jersey look. They should really just go back to what they looked like during the Eddie George, Steve McNair, Derek Mason, Keith Bullock kind of days. Well, here, well, hang on about that. Hang on. Number three is Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville. They're, they're, they're nice. Their new look, I think, is eh at best. Really? Yeah. I think they're I, nice. The new helmets are okay, but there's nothing that drives me crazy about it. First of all, I hate their color scheme. I think it's awful. Eh, like it's that kind of bluish green and that puke yellow. It's kind it's of just, all over the place. Blech, it's awful. Jacksonville's at three. I have Tennessee at two because I actually like Tennessee's new look. Really? I actually like the dark blue helmets. I like them a lot more than the white ones. I really do. I like the white ones. I, I like really the like the them a lot the more than the white ones just because I think Tennessee actually made an effort to make something out of what their color scheme was, and I think they succeeded. I think they did a good job. Uh, and the number one's Houston. We I don't think, agree with that. I think, and look, there's nothing impressive about Houston, but their color scheme's the best. They do have some flare unis. I think their red and blue jerseys oh, are actually really sweet. nice. They're sweet. But that's really it. I mean, there's nothing really impressive about them. Like I said, it's a very boring division for jerseys. I really think I really think so. Uh, all right, NFC South. Number four. I feel like this is going to drive you crazy. Carolina. Hate them. Hate them. <sighs> hate them, hate them, hate them. Can't stand them. I can't. Em. I can't. I what? put Tampa four. I actually I put Tampa at three because I think Tampa's Tampa's home jerseys with the red and the grayish brownish yeah. shoulder pad thing, those are nice. I actually really like maybe those, and I the, like and I like their helmet. Maybe it's the numbers. I, I, yeah, maybe it's the numbers with Tampa Bay because it's like they went from a you know it's like it's went from like a standardized with a little orange on the right. Now it's like you yeah. know it's like silverish in a way. I'm not a fan of it. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of the Bucks jerseys at all. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It's like silver. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, it's yeah, silver and gray. I got I, Carolina's not four. I can't. I like Carolina's jerseys a lot. I can't. I, I, I'm sorry. That's all right. Carolina and Tampa Bay. So I've got t- Carolina at four, Tampa Bay at three, the Atlanta Falcons at two. I think they're very nice. Um, the helmet I think could maybe use a little bit of work, but I, I love their jerseys. Yeah. They are flat out nasty They're looking. Cool. And the New Orleans Saints are one. They have, easy. they have the best color scheme in football. The black and gold is flat out incredible. Their black on black with the gold helmet is slick. Their color rushes That's are pretty really cool. great. And their color rushes are nice. You're right. Uh, all right. By the way, oh, that's another one the Ravens got right. The color rush. The co- Ravens color rush jerseys? Sweet. They're, They're home, purple, right? Pur- the home purple with the gold number? I love that. They are cool. That's another reason cool. why I can't put them last in that division. All right, AFC West. I think this one is clear cut. Who has the best unis in the uh, in the division? Number four. Go Chargers. Go. Number four is the Chargers. They blew it. Wow. Blew it. I disagree. Absolutely blew it. Again, I I'm taking this as like, what could they have done with what they have? Chargers failed miserably. That powder blue jersey's atrocious. I think that their dark blue ones are the only ones that are really great. And their helmet, I think they could live with a non-white helmet. I really do. I think they could do a lot better than that. Chargers are Chargers, number one. They're Chargers number one. are four. No, they're, they're not. One. No, they're not. Number one is not even close. 
Number one's the best unis in uh, in the division. It's not even close. Kansas City. Number three, Oakland. I think that they're they're classic. I get it. Black and silver. Nothing gets me excited about it. I'm sorry. They're classic, but I don't. Th- I th- I think they're a bad classic. You know what I mean? I just I don't. Yeah, love I can get I can get with that one. I can understand that. Number two. And I think they're number two by a long shot, and I mean a long shot by the other way. It's two, three, four, and number one's way up here. Number two is the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Kansas City's got good unis. Like I said, I think they're very vibrant and bright. They're kind of exciting. I like them. The Denver Broncos by far have the best unis in the in the division. They have the best color rush jerseys, uh, color rush unis in the league. First of all, best color rush unis in the league. And I think their normal unis are really nice. They're rugged and like they're bright, but they're like really rugged and kind of intimidating. I actually like that. Denver is by far for me number one. Okay, Den- that's an interesting one because boy, we really disagree heavy on that one. I got the Raiders, Broncos, Raiders four, Broncos three, Chiefs two, Chargers one. It's kind of that, that's how I kind of think the division's gonna play here's, out. You know, the, here's how the Broncos is though. I can't. I like Kansas because I like the all red. I like. I'm a big fan of the red. I like the helmet. I like. Yeah. You know, right. Denver. I like. Here's the thing about Denver with their color rush. Their color rush jerseys. I just. Not, I think with Denver, I'm just not a fan of the orange. I've never been a big fan of the orange look with the Broncos. I like the helmet and the color rush. The color yeah, rush jersey is nice. Right. They got the. They went back to that '80s helmet, which I like. I'll tell you what the best Bronco jersey is. That navy blue look. Navy blue with the orange. All that with the orange stripe. That's that looks sweet. I I I will I love yeah. those navy blue Bronco jerseys that they have. You know, yeah, I, I'm looking at them right now. I like that. that. That's my. I wish they wear that more often now. But they're back. They're back more towards that orange jersey look from again from the 80s and that whatever. You know, the 70s, yeah. 80s. Yeah. And that's fine. But I like the I like the the, the blue. I, I've always liked that blue and the orange stripe. Chiefs too. I gotta put the Chargers at one because that that. The bolt's cool. It's just they, I think they could do more with it. Do, do you not agree? Like, the Chargers jerseys could be so much cooler than they are. What would you do with it then? What would you like? Would you make like a more of a lightning bolt, I guess? Well, I'd change the color of the helmet. I would change the color of the helmet blue? from white to navy blue. Navy blue. And I would have a bright yellow bolt. And I think that would look slick. And it's just, it's not like, bright yellow, like that's- a bright yellow bolt with a yellow face mask or a white face mask. Oh, I wouldn't I do the that, yellow face mask. That, that would be, be sick. And the jerseys, like I said, I think they could do more with the bolt on the jerseys instead of just having it on the shoulder pad. Yeah. I I think they could do more with that, like I said. All right. NFC West. This was the the hardest one for me. This was the hardest one. Uh, Number four was easy, though. Boring San Francisco 49ers. Hate them. Cannot stand them. I mean, they are as boring okay. as they get. Okay. Their color rush jerseys are cool. The black on black with the red. Yeah, those that's are cool. Pretty cool. Those are cool. The but, red numbers. Yeah, those are those I hate. Uh, the their normal jerseys though are awful, awful. Yeah. I can't stand them. Uh, number three, Arizona. Like I said, Arizona I think could do more with what they have. Um, their jerseys are cool. Their helmets are some of the worst in football. The white with the cardinal on the side, and then the gray face mask. Yeah. It looks like a helmet that you'd wear in Pee Wee. It's just, it looks really, really dumb and dull. Uh, Arizona's at three. I like I like their black, I like their black and jersey with the red, with the red on it. That's pretty cool. I think that's their color rush jerseys. It's like black with red. That's pretty cool. I struggled with one and two. I struggled. 
and I'm still kind of flip-flopping here. But as it stands right now, the way that I see it, I'm going to put Seattle at two, and I'm going to put the Rams at one. Is it because Seattle plays a little too much with their jerseys? They kind of play a little, kind of go a little I, no, over the top? I, I don't think so. I kind of like, Seattle had, if you remember, Evan, and of course you do, but Seattle at like the beginning of this new like regime, when they first changed their jerseys, Everybody got super excited because they were the first to kind of implement like that neon green. Yeah. Right? Well, I kind of got over it. Oregon kind of did that, though. Oregon kind of did it before Seattle did. It might have been Seattle. Seattle more got popular because of the Legion, of because of the, the defense and everything. That's why it really also became a thing. Also, Marshawn Lynch. Well, yeah, but that's most of their bandwagoner fans came on because they loved their jerseys. Like, that. that's period, point blank. And I know it's just theory, but... That's kind of what I believe there is that, that I think that most of their bandwagon fans came on because their jerseys kind of looked cool. And again, I kind of just got over it. You know what I mean? Like the neon green was really cool at first, but the only jerseys I really like of theirs is like their navy blue on navy blue. That's really it, mm-hmm. right? I think their white jerseys are eh. And I yeah. think their gray jerseys are stupid. I just, I think it's, like I said, it's another one of those things where they had they have cool home jerseys and they had a cool idea, but I think they kind of botched everything else after that. So Seattle's at two, and then I'm gonna put the Rams at one. I'm They're not classic. In, I'm not in love with the Rams. They're getting new uniforms that, on the move. That blue and yellow, like the 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 the, bright the royal blue and the bright yellow. They're nice. I think are sweet, sweet. They're getting a the whole. And I'll tell you what, I actually like. That they changed the color of the ram horn on the yeah. helmet to white. I think I, I actually like that. Mm-hmm. It makes it look make them look a little bit more sleek. I actually like it. So I got the Rams at one. They're gonna now. What's interesting is they're gonna change it once. They're gonna change everything once they get to the new stadium. Everything's getting to change. New jersey, new look. So that's that might that's be pending. different in so, so, pretty soon. So let's do this. I want to have a little bit more fun here. So I'm gonna seed. I'm gonna do this. I'm going to seed these teams, <laughs> and I'm going to play it off like a regular NFL postseason. So in the NFC, uh, the one seed in the NFC is going to be the Saints. So write this down for me, Ev, if you could. All right, hold so on. So I can keep track of Wait, it. Wait, hold on, hold on. All right. So, so in the NFC, the Saints are the one seed. All right, so one uh, seed I'm going to put the Saints. the Saints at the one seed, the Cowboys at the two seed. Okay. Uh, I am going to put the Rams at the three. All right. The Vikings at the four. And my two wild card teams are going to be the Atlanta Falcons at five and the Seattle Seahawks at six. Okay. Um, so uh, number three is number three is the Rams, and they play Seattle. Yeah. I'm going to take the Rams. Okay. Um, how about? Uh, so it's now it's uh, Vikings. Vikings Saints. No Vikings and um, oh, Vikings Falcons. Give me the Falcons. Give okay. me the Falcons. That's an upset. So the Falcons now play the Saints, and the Cowboys play the Rams. Yes. So I'm going to take Cowboys Rams. Okay. Uh, I'm going to well I'm going to take Cowboys and Saints. All right. And then I'm going to take the Saints to go to the Super Bowl based of on jerseys. Unis. To the Super Bowl of jerseys. jerseys. All right, now in the AFC, I'm going to seed it like this. Uh, the AFC put Denver at one. Okay. Put the Jets at two. Okay. 
Uh, Cleveland at three. Houston at four. Then put the... Oh, this is tough. I'll go with the Chiefs at five. I'm trying to pick between the Steelers and the Patriots. Uh, you know what? Houston? The Patriots okay. won't make the postseason again. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Steelers here. <laughs> so the Steelers are at six. Uh so who do the Steelers play Steelers at? Steelers take on the uh Cleveland Browns. Browns. Browns over Brown, Steelers. Browns over Steelers. The one, the one time in um, Jersey's Browns over Steelers. Uh four and five is Kansas City Houston. and Give me the Chiefs. Give me the Chiefs. So I've got Chiefs. Uh yeah, Chiefs, Broncos, and then Jets, Cleveland. Browns. Yes. Jets and Broncos, and then give me the Broncos, and then between the Broncos and the Saints, the Saints win the Jersey Super Bowl. Saints are the winners of the first ever Mike Guido Jersey Super Bowl. Yes. And you know what's going to be fun? I, because I was bored, and I did the NFL uniforms for this segment, I did MLB and NBA too. Oh, did you? I did. So at some point later on, we're going to do that same thing where I'm going to rank them by division, and then we're going to do playoffs. So we're going to do the uniform NBA finals, and then we're going to do the uniform World Series, Uh, and it's just going to be fun. The uniform World Series. The uniform World Series. I can't wait for baseball because I got got some good baseball uniforms. I got some good ones. Spoiler alert, the Yankees are probably going to (laughs) win. I'm just saying. <laughs> the Yankees are probably going to win the uniform. The World Yankees Series. are the only team where it's like, we got one home jersey, one road jersey, that's it. They're the one team in like all the sports. And I think they're like, both dynamite. Yeah. The pinstripe home jerseys are great, and I think their road jerseys are we nice. We got one home jersey, one road jersey. I that's do think it. it would be cool if the Yankees had an alternate, though. If they what had like a, like a navy blue alternate. Uh, wouldn't that be nice? I feel like that'd be cool. So, like, if they had like a navy, like, if they had like an alternate away jersey that was navy blue, it kind of looked like the away jersey that's gray. But imagine that jersey in navy blue with like some white piping yeah. and the gray lettering and everything. Like that would be pretty cool. Don't Admit they have, that. Like, don't they have like those retro jerseys? Like it had, it's, it's gray, but it says Yankees on it. It doesn't. It doesn't have the New York. They never just wear says, them. They never wear like, them. Yes, would, they do. Would you do that? No. Like, no. 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 Because I think the Yankee jerseys have gotten better over the years. Uh, All right, so that is the uniform rankings. Hour number three. We're already in the top of hour number three, but coming up in this hour, uh, Kevin Durant made his top five all-time list. First of all, it's nuts. (laughs) Second of all, I made not only a top five list, but a top ten list of the top ten NBA players to ever play. Plus, on top of that, I'm going to make my national championship pick between Virginia and Texas Tech. March Madness this year has been crazy. Crazy. And I almost, my fiance, I'm going to give my fiance a crap ton of credit here. Guess who she picked to win the whole thing? And she almost got it right on a whim. Uh, Auburn. Auburn? Yeah, yeah, Auburn. And Auburn made it to the Final Four. I'm like, I thought Auburn was going to beat Virginia. Mm -hmm. I was like, they could actually win this damn thing. And then that foul call and everything. We'll yeah. get into that. Hour number three. Don't go away. Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Hi, um, I'd like to report a bear hug. Uh-huh, okay. Well, we were building a bonfire, and I, I saw some, like, dry brush and leaves around, so, you know, I, I said to move the bonfire somewhere else, and out of nowhere, Smokey Bear shows up and hugs me. So you noticed some wildfire hazards and moved your bonfire to a safer location. Yeah. Yeah, that's Smokey, all right. He likes it when people help prevent wildfires. It hits him close to home. Not everybody gets the hug, my friend. So that's pretty special to get a hug from Smokey Bear. <laughs> so it was him. Hey, guys, I told you it was Smokey. Okay, well, congratulations, my friend. And thanks for calling. There are many ways to prevent a wildfire. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service, Ad Council, and your state forester. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, 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 the Haystack Show. Show. With Mike Guido. Our number three here in the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you in here on a Monday. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com, Facebook Live, Twitter, Periscope. We're everywhere. You're in the right place. Number to call, 631-676-2968. At least that's what it says. 631 676 2968 calls up join the conversation or does it is that what it says or does it it, it does it I does s- it's on a big board right behind dude it. dude i i i did it again one time i was right i was writing down a phone number and i literally wrote down the phone see number. it screws you up and it I, does there was one actually there was one time i think i was doing chalk talk or haystack i uh-huh. forget and i was actually doing um when i was writing down the description for the, the uh descriptions for the day show Instead of, I did, I actually made the mistake of, instead of saying, call the station number, I wrote, I, I, I almost wrote, I was writing down my phone number. My, so my, I'm writing I'm down the you. number. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is my phone number. Once you do this for long enough. I'm like, this is just, my phone number. It, it screws you up. And once you do this for long enough and you're used to saying a station number, like I said, I, I told you about that time where I went to the doctor's office That's and, funny, by the and way. they asked me for my cell number and I almost gave them this number. Right. Just because I'm used to saying it, it's and, I, and it happened crazy. to me. And it happened to me when I was shopping at Burlington the other day, and I bought the and I bought that Mets jersey, and they said, "Oh, what's your phone number for receipt and everything?" I'm like, "Well, six three one six seven six And then he's, uh, he stopped. No, he, actually, no. he actually stops. <laughs> he actually stopped me without realizing it. He stopped me from making the error because he's like, "Well, you know, he's trying to type it all into the cash register." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you just saved me there because I was ju- I just knows I'm like, right. oh my god, oh my gosh, I was just about to give him the the cell phone, the, my, the number to the station." Right. Look, it happens. <laughs> he didn't even I don't realize, know, man. He, he didn't even realize the poor the poor cashier didn't even realize that he actually saved me there. <laughs> he's like, "Hold on a second, because he was trying to type everything into the the, the register. I'm like, "Oh, good. <laughs> Thankfully, he stopped me." Oh boy. Sometimes actually, there was one time as a as a kid, as I watched you know watching all the Met games and everything, and I would you know you hear all the numbers. Hey, I call six three one six seven six. You know uh, T I X X or the Mets, the Mets phone number for tickets. 
And there were some times I, some, there were some times when friends of mine asked, "Hey, what's your phone number during school?" I'd be like, "Oh, my phone number is," and I and I would say the Mets phone number. And I have I had a buddy of mine who I had a couple of buddy buddies of mine who were big Mets fans. And they were like, "Is that the Mets phone number?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah." Like there were times I even include the TIXX, so five zero seven TIXX for tickets mm-hmm. that the Mets would do on their yeah. commercials, TV commercials. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I don't know how I did that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, so. Um, you know, egos never really work in the NFL. They never do. And um, you ever heard the song "Ego in My Way" that on the MV during MVP Baseball 2004? Did a sound? It's, it's on that game. Soundtrack. I had 04. I really heavily played 05. Oh, yeah. 05 is 05 one of the is best great. baseball games ever. Oh, it's great. But they they have a song called "Ego in My Way." It's a great, great song by uh, the High Speed Scene. Um, but Antonio Brown. Um, so he made a comment on a post on Twitter that claimed Juju Smith-Schuster as the team MVP. Um, basically claiming, man, Juju fumbled the ball in the most important game of the year. How is he MVP? And then Juju Smith-Schuster kind of comes back on Twitter and says, dude, like I was nothing but respectful of you the whole time you were here. And now you're taking shots at me? Well, here's my thing. <sighs> Antonio Brown, and, and this seems to be a theme of today with Antonio Brown and Aaron Rodgers and getting over it. Getting over it. I've admitted this plenty of times. Kevin Durant, sorry, I, I know you, I'm sorry to go off topic for a second. It's still on Kevin Durant, but uh, it's actually on his free agency. Source said that he's ready to move on. Consensus from around the league is Durant is ready to move on. This according to Bleach Report. Ooh. He's ready to move on. That'll be the, fun. From the Golden State Warriors. So just a little little thing on his free agency. That'll be fun. But uh it's gonna be a derby for him. They, everyone's gonna be I mean Gosh, there there's every team in the league should be after him. Every team in the league. Everyone. Every team should be after Kevin Durant. I'm sure they will be. Everyone should I'm be sure should almost be trying to every sign team him. will be. Every team should be trying to there's sign him. There's gonna be one team in the league that won't be. The Lakers. Cleveland. Cleveland should go after him. Why not? You Cleveland, might have a, Cleveland you, won't. You might get a top draft pick. Cleveland will not go after him. You might get a top draft pick. You could get Zion. You might get a top draft pick. You need a guy. Why not mm-hmm. go after Kevin Durant? Why not? No, I, look, I agree, but Cleveland will not do it. Um, but anyway, it's kind of like, okay, well, if Antonio Brown... Let's just say this, okay? Antonio Brown goes to Oakland. Yay. Antonio Brown gets a big contract. Yay. How much winning is he going to do? Well, probably not that much. And my point really here was, oh, see? When everybody saw Antonio Brown, see, he's just so much happier to be with the Oakland Raiders. He's just so much happier to be there. Right? Look at him and Derek Carr getting along so great. Well, yeah, because him and Derek Carr right now are supposed to get along great. Derek Carr and Antonio Brown are, right now, they're in the kind of the honeymoon phase. They're the newly married couple. They don't really have any problems. They don't have kids. They just got recently married. They're still massively in love. 
They're in the honeymoon phase. Right? I, I mean, they have nothing to be mad at each other about. Right? At the end of Antonio Brown's tenure in Pittsburgh, you saw how much tension there was between him and Big Ben. But when you look back a few years ago, Antonio Brown and Big Ben got along great. They did. Making fun of each other when they ate turkey legs. Antonio Brown and Big Ben always liked each other. I mean, they they, they worked, right? Big Ben, somewhat responsible for making Antonio Brown the best receiver in the league and vice versa, right? Antonio Brown, uh, somewhat success, uh, responsible for making uh, Big Ben as great as he is this uh, late in his career, right? I mean, they both hold some of that. So they loved each other. They appreciated it. Absolutely. Then Big Ben started taking shots at him. Look, A.B., you got to run a better route. He started taking shots at him on national radio. Yeah, Also well, in meetings, too. Uh, in meetings, yeah. And look, I think something is to be said for that in two different lights because I think that there is a place for that where it's called leadership. You can, you can take shots at teammates in team meetings and, and make them take ownership. That, that's part of being a leader. But there are also points where you kind of push a little too far. And I think Big Ben is, has crossed the line a couple of time uh, a couple of more times than he probably should have but my point is is that look at who Antonio Brown is as this guy who really you can't really make him happy right now right man I don't even really need to play football of course I want to but I don't need to if a team wants me you gotta play by my rules you think that guy's gonna be a stable in your locker room to provide stability? Get real. I guarantee you a year and a half, two years down the line, we're going to be talking about, man, Derek Carr, I, Derek Carr and Antonio Brown just really aren't getting along anymore. If Derek Carr's still there, right? Uh, we're, we're, I think he will be because I, I think all this stuff about how he's not Gruden's guy or anything like that, I, Gruden, I think, loves him. I will say this. Everything that I've heard from, from teammates and everything around the Raiders is I've heard that John Gruden loves Derek oh, Carr. We heard about that. Loves him. We heard about that even before John Gruden even got there, that Derek Carr was one of the reasons why he got there. He wanted right. to go to the Raiders. And Donald Penn, <laughs> Donald Penn, who was talking about it on NFL Network, who... I actually really like. I think he's a good, well-spoken guy. I know he had that one incident. Um, it's against Baltimore, actually. I remember it was, well, a, it was he, after he the that, Ravens game. Well, no, he had that one incident with his with his wife or something like that. Where he oh, like, yes, where he yes, like that poured one, a yeah. glass of water over her head or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I know he had that one incident, but I I actually really like I actually like him, and I think he's a you know relatively well-spoken person. Um, and he even said he's just like God. John Gruden and Derek Carr's relationship is so good. They get along so well. And he's like, look, John will take shots at Derek. Like, he, he'll, he'll yell at him just like he's anybody else, right? There's an understanding within the organization that Derek's the quarterback, right? But John will get after him sometimes, absolutely. And there are times where if Derek does something wrong, before John can get after him, Derek even says to John, yeah, yeah, I know. I, 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 I promise you, I know what mistake I made. And John leaves him alone. He's like, their relationship is so good. I think I think Derek Carr is going to be there for a while. But um, anyway, 
Derek Carr hasn't taken the shots at Antonio Brown on national radio yet. Derek Carr hasn't accused Antonio Brown of running a really bad route before. They've never played in a game together. Right now, it's all excitement. Antonio Brown's just excited to get out of Pittsburgh. Derek Carr is excited because he's got the best wide receiver in the league now. Right? He's got the best wide receiver in football. Of course he's excited. And it'll be great for a year. It'll be great for a year. And everybody, I promise you, for the next year, for the next year, every radio show and every television show and every sports writer and everybody will be saying this exact thing. See? And all Antonio Brown needed was a change of scenery. Even if the even if the Raiders don't win. If the Raiders don't win and we see that Antonio Brown and Derek Carr are getting along and there's no real drama or anything like that, for the first year, everybody's going to see like, see, Big Ben was the issue. No, no, no. Big Ben was part of the issue. There are a couple of different pieces in the Pittsburgh Steelers organization that share responsibility for this whole debacle. Right? Antonio Brown has a big chunk of it. Big Ben's got a pretty big chunk of it. The Steelers organization has a pretty big chunk of it. Even, I think, Le'Veon Bell has a pretty big chunk of it. They all share some pieces in that whole dysfunctional thing. Mike Tomlin. Well, Tom, Tomlin especially, too, because he lost control. Right? That's a head coach who lost control of his team. But I think... I know that that's a thing that people put on coaches. I think that being able to maintain control of your players is important, but sometimes there's just nothing you can do. I I don't give Mike Tomlin as much flack for losing control of his players because I think look at what all of his who all of his players are. Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. The guys literally got a locker room full of guys that everybody would hate in their locker room. I I really I feel like I'm I it would be unfair to give Mike Tomlin flack for saying he couldn't control those guys. But Tomlin's a head coach, he's got to find a way to control everybody. But who would? Who would? And don't tell me Bill Belichick cuz I don't even think Bill Belichick could. Bill Belichick would. I love Bill Belichick. I no, he wouldn't. Cuz he wouldn't be able to control all he'd be able to control one, right? If Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell went to New England by themselves, yeah, he'd be able to he'd be able to maintain control of that guy. If all three of them went, they'd still be a headache. Those relationships still exist regardless of who your higher-ups are, right? Regardless of who the coach is, I don't even I don't care if it's if it's Vince Lombardi. You know, I I don't care I I don't care if your head coach is Vince Lombardi or Bill Belichick or Jim Tom Sula. I I really don't care. Those relationships still are going to stay the same. They're going to stay the same. If you don't like each other, you don't like each other. Your head coach is not going to be able to control that. I think eventually the relationships between players got so bad that Mike Tomlin was just like, I, I'm trying, but they, they just they will not get along no matter what I do. Tr- trust me, I think Mike Tomlin tried. I, I really do. But at some point, you got to say, like, 
All right, I gotta not focus. Trying, so, I gotta I gotta focus not so much on these guys. I gotta focus on winning football games. How now. are you trying? I I understand that aspect. You gotta focus on your team, but how are you trying when you're kicking Antonio Brown out of practice, telling him to because go maybe home? because uh, and I'll, I'll, here's my answer to that. Maybe it's better for him at certain points to not be there. Maybe it's better for the team's sake if Antonio Brown on that particular day is not there. But you don't tell him to go home in a but big you, weeks when you're practicing for the biggest game of the season. Well, here's the thing. If you're if you're Mike Tomlin, if Antonio Brown is there disrupting the whole practice, right? Because he was. He was absolutely disrupting the whole practice. Did he injury thing? The, absolutely. Absolutely. Those little things disrupt your practices. Literally everything that goes on in a sports practice based on every single player resonates with the entire team. It does. 100%. Okay? And if Antonio Brown's being a headache, then I can then I can understand, okay, um, look, I, I, maybe it's just best for you to go home today. But I, I'm sure there have been I, many... I'm fine with that. Because sure... if you are pulling... you got to think about this. Mike Tomlin's been dealing with this for years. At this point, you got to pull out all the stops. If if the best case of uh, if the best option at that point is to just be like, look, I, it's it, it is it isn't good for anybody here that he's here right now. Then I'm absolutely on board with it. Look, what what used to happen? What when I played varsity baseball? If there was a guy that was disrupting practice or con- or constantly complaining about an injury, okay, then go home. It doesn't matter if it was the best player or the worst player. You're disrupting the practice. So it's best for you to not be here. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there have been, sure been, sure been a lot of players not named that Tony Reddell. Gone to the head coach and said, hey, man, I, hey, coach, I just got the shoulder thing. I've got the this and that, you know, whatever. I, I, and the coach says, okay, Fine. here, take the practice off. Fine. I think that's all my Absolutely. time I had to say. Okay, but just take the But what's the off. difference? That's the thing. What's the difference? What is the difference between having him say, Take the uh, talking to Antonio Brown and saying, "Take the rest of the practice off." But we need you for Sunday. Oh, uh, that's fine. That's fine. Take the rest of the practice off, and all right, go home. The difference is is that Mike Tomlin didn't feel comfortable with Antonio Brown being at practice and not participating. That's the exact problem, right? If every player, and especially the wide receiver core, right, Juju, James Washington, Ryan Switzer, whoever was there, right, the entire wide receiver core that is that is participating in practice and busting their ass, right? But Antonio Brown's, but I'm sure, but I'm sure Antonio Brown's, but is doing the same thing. I'm, but I'm just saying, there's a lot of other guys who I'm sure have gone to a coach and said, "Listen, but hey, I, I got this and that." Well, I, I agree, I agree. But do you understand I've what I'm, head, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Like if. Antonio Brown were to stay there in practice and he was sitting on a bench somewhere and just basically watching everybody else because he was having some sort of injury. Now it's like Antonio Brown's getting special treatment. That's and on top of that, Antonio Brown already being the headache that he is, again, that resonates. So it's best for him to just leave the premises. Just leave. It's okay. That's why I don't give Mike Tomlin flack for that. I just I just think of the Right before week 17, biggest game of the season. You need to have this game. 
I think right. there's only but, I mean win or lose win and, or lose seasons on the line and I, I the, wouldn't have been against Mike Tomlin you can saying still practice trade, you can still trade Antonio Brown anyway which I'm sure that's what well, they're going to do anyway well look I I agree but what I'm saying is that Mike Tomlin I think um, I would have had zero problem if Mike Tomlin said Antonio you're practicing this is a big game we need you on the field you're practicing today but that's I not what he I, told him you're right he didn't. He told him to go home because he didn't want him to be a distraction for the rest of his team. And look, like I said, I'm not there. You're not there. Nobody else was there. We're all just kind of we're we're all speculating right now. That's what I think happened. Is I think Mike Tomlin in his head is thinking, I've got so many of these guys that are just so hard to work with, and I've been trying to do it for years. I just have to kind of focus on trying to win football games. I really do. I don't have time for dealing with your personalities. And I think that rubbed people the wrong way. I think Mike Tomlin was kind of like, okay, I don't have time for you right now because I got 49 other guys that I got to coach up here. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. So he kind of isolated them, right? Especially Antonio Brown. And that pissed off Antonio Brown. I, and I think that tied with the relationship with Big Ben is what really did it over for him. But, okay. Um, coming up next, top 10 all-time, my top 10 all-time, Kevin Durant made his top five. First of all, it's crazy. And secondly, I I, I mean, it's it's really it's really nuts. It really, his top, his top it five really is. His top five of all time? Oh, my God, it's bad. It's bad. Well, there's not a cer- well, there's a certain player from LA from the Lakers that's not there. Yeah, but uh, that isn't even the worst part. I promise you, that's not even the worst part. It's crazy. I remember I read it. I read crazy. it. Crazy. I'm going to reread it again over the break. I didn't. I I kind of I kind of got a glimpse of it before. And again, national championship pick coming up next to close out the show. This is the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we're back. This is the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. Hello. Uh, all right. So just to close it out, we've got about 20 minutes. Um, I'm going to make my national championship pick at the end of the show today. Texas Tech, Virginia. I'm sure there were not a lot of people that had that. I'm guaranteeing you. I was guaranteeing you that there were not a lot of people that had that. Uh, that had the Virginia, Auburn, Michigan State, Texas Tech Final Four. I think. I don't think anybody had that. Seriously, nobody. And I give my fiance a ton of credit for having Auburn win the whole thing. She was really, really close. Um, and she doesn't follow college basketball at all. Um, but anyway, let's do this. Kevin Durant, a couple of days ago, ranked his top five players of all time. And here it is. You ready for this? Jordan, one. Okay. Kobe Bryant, two. Shaq, three. Hakeem Olajuwon, four. And then Magic Johnson, five. That's his top five list. Um... And he, he kind of admitted, he's just like, this is kind of on skill set. It isn't really greatness, but it's kind of on skill set, right? First of all, I just want to say this. The list is putrid. Sorry. Premature it's music. Awful. Premature no, music. No, it's, it's all right. It's all right. Premature music. It's awful. So what I decided to do 
is I decided to make my own top 10 of the top 10 NBA players of all time just to kind of combat this list. And I'm sure we'll revisit it at certain points later. But here's the list now. My top 10 right now. Here we go. Here's your music. Here's the cue. All right. Uh, I don't think you can tell the story of basketball without this guy at number 10. 27 points a game, six and a half assists, about six rebounds a game. I'm going to go with the logo. Jerry West is number 10. Um, 14-time All-Star, obviously a Hall of Famer. He was a scoring champion. He was assist champion. Uh, won an NBA Finals, was a 12-time All-NBA player. Um, was the uh, Finals MVP in 1968. Uh, five-time All-Defensive Team, which is something I don't think a lot of people uh, remember about him. He was a great offensive player, great shooter, probably the greatest shooter at that time, but was also a great defensive player. Jerry West is at number 10. Number nine. I agree with one player on the list, Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq is number nine on the list. I think he's the most dominant big man to ever play. Love Shaq. Most physically dominant big man to ever play. 7 1, 325 pounds for the majority of his career. A 15 time All Star. Um, was a three time Finals MVP. Um, two time scoring champion. Won four Finals. Obviously a Hall of Famer. Three time All Defensive Team. I'll tell you what. I. I I don't think I trust many uh, many uh, big men in the league more than Shaq at just being in the paint and doing what a big man does. Protect the rim, get easy shots at the basket, and clog lanes. Shaq, I think, might be the best to ever do it at those aspects. Shaq's at number nine. All right, number eight. Russell Westbrook, before Russell Westbrook, give me the big O, Oscar Robertson. I think he's number eight. Um, 6'5", 205, was a bigger guard at the time, 12-time All-Star, Hall of Famer, um, won, on, uh, won the NBA Finals in 1970-71, a six-time assist champ, 11 times All-NBA, um, won the MVP in 63-64. I'll tell you what, Oscar Robertson, 26 points a game, 9.5 assists, 7.5 rebounds, 65205 the guy was a point guard way ahead of his time was never a phenomenal shooter but still found a way to get buckets at a, uh, at a consistent rate Oscar is Russell Westbrook before Russell Westbrook as much as a lot of people are um are talking about him Oscar the original stat stuffer he's number 8 number 7 and again I I I kind of have a um a bias towards older players. Number seven to me is Wilt Chamberlain. Um, Hall of Famer, 13-time All-Star, seven-time scoring champ, was an assist champ one year. Even then, you might be under... His career averages, 30 points a game, 23 rebounds, and four and a half assists. A field goal percentage of 54% on his career. You might be underrating him at seven. I, I might be. I really might be. Wilt is... At that time, Wilt was the first look that we ever got at a physically dominant player. Wilt was the player, 100 points in one game. It counts for something. I know he played when mailmen were were, uh, were his teammates and his opponents, 
but Wilt was so much more physically dominant than anybody else, and he put up surreal numbers, put Wilt at number seven. Uh, number six, and I know some people are going to really think that this is disrespectful. I promise you, I'm trying to be fair. Number six is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I think that he's... Obviously, I think you can make the argument that he's the greatest scorer of all time. Nobody is even close to him statistically. Uh, 24 and a half points a game, 11 rebounds, three and a half assists. Had a 56% field goal percentage over his career. Made the skyhook complete, uh, 100% famous. A 19-time All-Star. Led the league in blocks four times. Was a two-time scoring champ. Won six NBA Finals. Was a two-time MVP. Uh, I'm sorry, two-time final MVP, was a six-time NBA MVP. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is one of the greatest players to ever play. I think he's the second best big man to ever play. Kareem is just on another level. He uh, revolutionized the game in that respect. Give me the Kareem at number six. All right, number five. This is where the top five gets in. I know some people are going to disagree with me. But I think that he means way too much to the game to not be in the top five. Give me Bill Russell at number five. 15 points a game, 22 and a half rebounds, four and a half assists over his career, only a 44% field goal percentage. He was not a great scorer, but I can make the argument that he's the greatest defensive player to ever play the game. 12-time All-Star. He won 11 NBA titles. 11! 11-time All-NBA, was an All-Defensive player in 68-69, was a five-time MVP. Bill Russell was the guy who revolutionized defense. He was the guy that was the guy, he was the not only the guy that protected the rim, but defended guards on the perimeter better than anybody in the league. Bill Russell is number five. He revolutionized the sport. So much success. Give me Bill Russell at number five. All right, I really struggled with this. What the hell is this? I, I, I found Bill Russell laughing compilation. Oh, Jesus. I love Bill Russell. I love, love Bill. I love that man. I'm happy you have him on. I have, I'm happy you have him in the top five because I, I definitely put him in the top five. Number four. Bill. Here we go. Number four. And I really struggled with three and four. I really struggled with it because they're so close. But I'm going to take Magic Johnson at number four. Uh, 19 and a half points a game, 11 assists, seven and a half rebounds as a guard, six foot nine, 215 for his whole career, a 12-time All-Star, won five NBA titles, obviously a Hall of Famer, was a 10-time All-NBA guy, three-time MVP. He brought the league back. Him and the Showtime Lakers brought the league back to what it was. Magic Johnson, and he absolutely lived up to his name, right? Irvin Magic Johnson. Some of the stuff that he did on a basketball court was just incredible. Stuff that you haven't seen before. And as far as pure value is concerned, Magic Johnson's one of the most valuable players to ever play the sport. Give me Magic at number four. At number three, here's, uh, like I said, I'm pretty sure people can figure out, Larry Bird is number three. 24 and a half points a game, 10 rebounds, six and a half assists. Was a phenomenal shooter. Was a good defender for him. Was never a great athlete, but he was a guy where you knew exactly what he was going to do and you couldn't stop him anyway. You couldn't do it. 
12-time All-Star, three-time NBA champion, a 10-time All-NBA guy, three-time MVP, Hall of Famer, three-time All-Defensive player, two-time Finals MVP. Larry Bird and those 80 Celtics teams, I'm telling you right now, I think the greatest team, well, obviously, besides the Golden State Warriors, because we know how I feel about that, besides the Golden State Warriors, before they even existed, the 85-86 Celtics, in my opinion, were the greatest team ever assembled with Parrish and McHale and Dennis Johnson and Bill Walton and Danny Ainge and those guys. I think they were the greatest team ever assembled. Larry Bird was the guy there. And to be honest with you, before Michael came along, Larry Bird was considered the greatest NBA player of all time, and I can't say I disagree with him. Larry Bird is number three. All right, here we go. The consensus one and two. Number two is Michael Jordan. And I know I get a lot of flack for that. I get it. 14-time All-Star, six-time NBA champ, was a 10-time scoring champ, nine-time All-Defensive player, five-time MVP. I get it. Michael Jordan is the consensus greatest player of all time. The way that I see it, he's not. And it has nothing to do with what Michael did over his career. The excuses for him being the greatest player of all time are so fake. Michael Jordan's not the greatest player of all time because he went six for six. Michael Jordan is the best player of all time to you because you've never seen a player do what he can do on a basketball court. Your eyes told you something. It wasn't what his numbers told you, what your eyes told you. He averaged 30 points a game. That's great. Averaged five and a half assists, six and a half rebounds. As a shooting guard, he was 6'6". Really nice numbers. But those aren't what impress you. Don't lie. What impresses you is when you saw him play, there was nobody else that could do that. Absolutely nobody. And I can't say I disagree. Michael is almost as good as they come. Michael's number two. And everybody knows where I'm going with this one. The number one player of all time is Mr. LeBron James. I think he has surpassed Michael at this point. Again, I know that this year makes him look really ugly. A 15-time All-Star, 14-time All-NBA, three-time NBA champ, was a four-time MVP, three-time Finals MVP, averaging over his career 27 points, 7.5 rebounds, 7.5 assists. I think LeBron's the best player to ever do it. I think he's the most physically gifted player that we've ever seen from an athletic standpoint. And I think from a skill perspective, there is nobody that has a more well-rounded game than LeBron James that we have ever seen. Defensively, scoring, passing, rebounding, literally anything. Running the floor, transition, literally everything. Outside shooting even later in his career. LeBron James has developed into the greatest NBA player of all time. And like I said, I'm not going to give you numbers as to the reason why he is the greatest player ever. What I am going to give you is he's been to the finals eight straight times. He's done things on a basketball court that since Michael have never been done before. And I think some things he's done better. I think he can give and take in that argument for what skills they have. But I think LeBron's got the upper edge on most of that argument. Oh, and if you want some numbers to you. Yeah, this is the first time he hasn't made the playoffs since 2004. Okay. 2004. I was in third grade. Oh, it's rookie year, right? It's rookie year. 03. He didn't make the playoffs. He didn't make the playoffs in 03. 04. 
when I was in eighth, when I, I'm sorry, when I was in third grade, that was the last time he didn't make the playoffs. Oh, by the way, nine finals. Michael only made it to six. LeBron's been to nine. That's the top ten all time. For Just you. to recap. For you. Jerry West, 10. Shaq, 9. Oscar, 8. Wilt, 7. Kareem, 6. Bill Russell, 5. Magic, 4. Larry Bird, 3. MJ at 2. And LeBron is at 1. No Kobe. No Hakeem on my list. That's what I disagree with I on Kevin Durant. Definitely think I no Kobe, him. no Hakeem. I definitely would take out Will Chamberlain and put him in the top five. Wilt's got to go at five. Will, Will, I would probably switch Wilt with Magic and put Magic at six. I wouldn't. Magic Magic, and Kareem switch. Magic go to six, Kareem goes to seven. I'm, I, I'm, I agree with Bill Russell at five, and definitely Larry Bird's around three. Larry Bird was sensational. What about Oscar, Shaq, and Jerry West being at eight, nine, and ten? Shaq? You, de- Shaq's Oscar, a top ten Oscar, player of all time. Oscar, Oscar is definitely in there. Oscar is definitely in there. Oscar's definitely in there. Dr. J over Jerry over Jerry West? No. No, because no? I think Jerry meant more to the sport. And to be I think in that era, Jerry was more dominant than Dr. J. Jerry was a little bit more dominant. Because again, like you said, Jerry was like the first real shooter. You know what I mean? Right, you know, no. they, before that it was Bob Cousy and it was all finishing at the rim. Pettit and Mikan and all those. You know what I mean? Jerry was the guy that kind of made the sport more of an outside game also. You know what I mean? So I'm I think, kind of with ten with ten Plus like, he's the logo. I mean you No, can't, I know, I know, you know he's a I logo, mean? but I'm kinda of, I'm kinda of, Jerry, Dr. J, Earl of Pearl, Earl Monroe. No, that's kind of where not I'm Earl. That's kind of where I'm looking Earl's at. Earl's on the outside looking in. Earl's I think Earl Monroe is way on the outside looking in. Way on the outside looking in. But all right, so that's the top ten all time. So let's get into the national championship game really Just quick. A little, little thing about one more thing about Kevin Go ahead. Durant. Go ahead. Uh, there was a survey, quick little thing. There was a survey on the Athletic by the Athletic that had a total of 109 NBA players who took their best guess of where Kevin Durant was going to go. 63 out of 109 votes, one percent went to the Mavericks, Celtics, Sixers, and Trailblazers. 1.8 percent Oklahoma City, the rest of the field, and and the Eastern Conference. 2.7% the Clippers, 4.5% the Brooklyn Nets, 20.2% said he stays in Golden State, 63.3% says he's coming to the Knicks. If he does go to the Knicks, wow. <sighs> All right. National Championship game, the three-seeded Texas Tech against the one-seed Virginia. This is the same Virginia team that lost to a 16-seed in the first round of last year's tournament. Now they go into the National Championship. All right. The pick for tonight, I'm going to say this. I think it can go either way. I think it's going to be a defensive matchup. I think it's going to be an incredibly good basketball game. Jarrett Culver and DeAndre Hunter are the players to watch tonight. They're the two NBA guys. I'm going to take... God, I've doubted them all tournament. And I'm going to continue doubting them. I am going to take the Red Raiders of Texas Tech to win the national championship tonight against Virginia. Yeah, I agree. I do. I think think they are as hot of a team as you can get right now. And again, I think Virginia is going to get this close. It's going to be an incredibly close game. 
Virginia is going to get this close, and they're just not going to be able to get the job done. And there's a lot. There's a lot of things I like about Virginia this year, but when you're hot, you're hot. Yeah. Texas Tech, I think, has the momentum, and I think Texas. Tech, first of all, I think they've got the best player in the game in Jarrett Culver, right? Texas Tech, I think, defensively will do a nice job on uh, a nice job on Virginia. I think they play at a really nice pace that matches up well. I'm going to take Texas Tech. Final score, I'm going to say 68 to 64. No, 68-63, Texas Tech over Virginia. I'm picking Texas Tech, too. They're the hot, like you said, they're the hot team coming into this coming into the tournament. They've beaten Michigan. They've beaten Gonzaga. They've beaten Michigan State three straight games. I'm taking Texas Tech, too. I'll say 65-60. to 60. They yeah, win. I think it's going to be a close game, but Texas Tech... <laughs> The Red Raiders over the Virginia Cavaliers. All right, that's going to do it for us. Chalk Talk's coming up next. Um, you got them to, from 2 to 4 o'clock. That's Renee Canales, John Fogarty, Jimmy Boccioni, and Big Mikey Rifkin. You're not going to want to miss them. You got us, the Hate Stack, every day, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern time. Don't miss us. As for Evan Mazza, I'm Mike Guido. We'll see you. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.